Hori, great to have you with us. Um, I'd love to know, uh, and I'm sure uh, you know our listeners are going to love to know a lot more about your background. So let's just start with you telling us an interesting story of the early Corey. Absolutely. So I thought I was going to be a famous rapper. And in, in college in 1997, I had a tentative deal. I had a radio show. I used to freestyle on this show every single Saturday. It was called Fat Beats. I had a couple of singles that made local radio. And I really thought I was going to become a famous rapper. And so after my first year of college, it wasn't for me. I dropped out of college to become a computer software tester. And this was in 1997 for Rand McNally. I helped test um, the software that would ultimately become the first ever Atlas software. And some of that turned into uh, what became some of the first GPS software. And so, you know, I've kind of been in software on and off for most of my adult life, uh, but never quite made it as a famous rapper. <laughs> Ended up just getting a couple of guns pulled on me and a little bit of press on the Source magazine. Um, and I ended up going into about a 15, almost 20 year restaurant career before I got back into technology. Well, wow. so basically um, rapper to software guy. All right. So that's not the most usual transition that we see or hear about. Right. Um, so I know that you come from the restaurant um, hospitality gig and um, I was hoping that you could, you know, just tell us a little bit more about that and how that shapes some of your views on service. Absolutely. So I'm still the guy, although I waited my last table seven years ago. If I'm anywhere, I'm always wanting to fill everybody's water to the top. I used to do that because every time you fill someone's water, they say thank you. And every thank you, you know, translates to something on the back end. I still have close relationships that I used to be a regular waiter to seven years later, right? So, so you really can build real rapport. But I think for me, the biggest part of it was, first of all, anticipating needs. I think learning how to anticipate needs on the fly can be translated into any industry. And I think it served me really well in executive leadership um, and entrepreneurship. Uh, another one is you're always on stage, right? And I think that was a big one as well, because now, you know, if I'm delivering a keynote or if I'm pitching, uh, you know, to a large group or demo day or whatever it might be, I'm used to it, right? I've had I've had parties of a thousand with celebrities in it when I was a waiter that I had to speak to the whole room. So now going and speaking to an audience of a couple thousand um, in an auditorium, you know, it's not nearly as daunting as it probably would have been. Um, and then, you know, from from the other side, and you said, like, what did I get out of the service? I was fortunate to work at the higher end where every piece of silver had to be polished. Every piece of crystal glass where it had to be spotless. Um, there was no margin for error. Your, your outfit was pressed and starched every day. It was absolutely clean. And so, you know, coming into, you know, again, software, entrepreneurship, tech, it really gave me this this dichotomy where I know how to be a perfectionist and deliver perfection, but I've also been able to kind of translate the doing it all on the fly to being able to iterate and pivot, right? And being able to kind of be fluid in different situations and with different types of people. So, um, you know, anymore, I'm quite famous for saying all the time, although I didn't come up with it, that perfection is the enemy of progress. But I do think coming from an industry where perfection was almost a requisite, um, really helps me to kind of per perform at the highest level. Well, it's so interesting. And, you know, beyond the story of what you've learned in service, 
it, it sounds like you're the kind of person who's super in, attentive to the details along the journey and then using those details to prepare you for your next step. So it's all, it sounds like there's just a constant game of learning. Um, this definitely wasn't something that I was planning on asking you, but can you just tell us a little bit about um, this ability of yours to like look at the detail and then pick up the valuable stuff and use it along the journey all the time? Is this, is this a quality that you've always known you've had? Yeah, it, it, I think, well, always is a, is a strong word, but I, I think I, I'll harken back to my service days. When I first started waiting tables, it was, you know, when I thought I was going to be a rapper, I also thought that, you know, to be a rapper, you had to be a gangster and a drug dealer. And so um, I went through some rough stuff in my in my very late teens and earliest 20s. And so coming out of some of that, I mean, I was I was sleeping in parks and in parking garages for some time and not eating every day, right? Didn't have a place to, to stay once once my, my, my gang banging uh, drug dealing rapper rapper thing didn't work out. I found myself kind of stranded. So to get to get off the streets, I became the best dishwasher I could, and then the best busboy, and then waiter and bartender. And I say all that to say this: I learned wine very quickly. I became certified as a sommelier within just a few months because I realized I had access and entree to taste a bunch of wines, listen to a bunch of sommeliers, sell a bunch of wine, do a lot of reading. This is still, you know, the internet was still very early at this time. So a lot of this was like going out and getting magazines and books and, you know, literally calling people cold and, you know, just asking them everything I could about wine. And so I think from that early age, almost out of necessity, you know, I was like, I was able to go from making $0 a year, literally to make about 150000 a year in a very short span by learning this knowledge, right? And just by continuing to improve. And I, I do think that that happened at the right formative years of my life, earliest adulthood, or, you know, really just trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up and knowing that I never wanted to be starving and on the streets again, right? Um, and so now that's translated now that there's the internet, which is effectively the Akashic record. And now that there's all every bit of knowledge you know that's ever been known by man is accessible in one second for free at our fingertips so i translated that into entrepreneurship i learned how to i learned everything about starting a company and then starting a company right bootstrapping it to market raising six figures in capital all of that by watching youtube and reading books for about a month right similarly i'm now known as one of the web3 and metaverse experts in the world and, and I, I think i can I can probably justify that at this point. But again, about a year ago, I, I knew a little bit about blo different blockchains and smart contracts and protocols. And But I went all in, again, YouTube and books, and I learned so much about the emerging new internet, right? This web 3.0 in very short order. And so I, I think I've always per, you know, perpetually just gone all in on something learned as much as I could, and then kind of let experience turn me into that subject matter expert. Wow, wow, super, super, super interesting learning about the early Cory. So um, let's talk about the Cory of today. Um, so you mentioned Web3 and you mentioned, you know, doing all what you can to learn about it and to, you know, to, to get prepared for this next wave. Um, let's start with the uber basics, the building blocks, right? Talk to us about what Web3 is and what it isn't. 
Absolutely. And I think that's a great question. And, and some of your audience, I think, already knows this. So I'll, I'll try not to dumb it down too much. But very simply, there was no Web 1.0, right? That was just the Internet. And it was back when our inter internet connections were modems and they would sing to us and it would knock people off the phone, right? And it was all websites. But you can think of it as .com or websites, but the internet as such was a disparate just sites, right? And everyone, a business would have their website. That was Web 1.0. And people say that, you know, kind of the emergent new internet, which is now being heralded as Web 2, was when you got this this rich media. But more so than that, for me, it was once you started to get social media, right? Because now businesses didn't need a website as much as they needed a social media presence. And so I, you know, I often say web one was .com, web two was at brand, right? So rather than a website, it became a social media presence, building community, turning people into you know personal brands. That all was a byproduct of web two. And it's interesting because no one ever thought they were in Web 1. Similarly, no one ever really thought they were in Web 2. They're just like, wow, the Internet got bigger and cooler, <laughs> right? That's all that happened. The Internet got bigger and cooler, easier to use. And the same thing's happening with Web 3. Now we're starting to be able to delineate kind of different different things. And so, you know, now, now we're calling them Web 1, Web 2, and Web 3. Uh, that said, Web 3.0 is going to all be built on the blockchain. So all this kind of um, immutable ledger, all of this kind of, uh, you know, data privacy being at the heart of things, interoperability being at the heart of things. Web 3.0 will comprise of, uh, you know, NFTs and crypto, although it doesn't require any of that. Uh, it will have a metaverse component, some mixed and augmented reality components, but it's not only that. Really, when I talk about Web 3.0, people won't know that they're on Web 3.0. They'll, they'll just have that aha moment and epiphany again where it's like, wow, the internet just got way bigger and cooler again, right? And for the younger people that don't remember the modems and right the days of AOL and chat rooms, it's like all they're going to think is that, you know, this, this future that they've all been imagining for a few years now, the, the younger generation, uh, is just going to be coming into fruition. And there are better than photorealistic graphics and platforms out there now. There is anything from an experiential standpoint. Um, and it's all kind of unfolding right now. Right, right. Now, you mentioned a whole bunch of terms, and I'm hoping that there's just probably one or two uh, terms inside that that we're going to probably unpack a little bit more. We probably can't do all of it and get to know everything perfectly on a short call. But um, what I'm curious to understand is, Today's um, CIO, all right, of an average, um, when, when I say average, I'm referring to an established brand, the CIO of a you know, fairly major company. Um, what, are, what are some of the things that they should be thinking of when it comes to preparing for this thing called Web 3 or Web 3.0? Yeah, so I think what, what's, what needs to be understood about Web3 is that it's all about the individual, right? So it, it's really a way for a company to connect more with their, with their prospects or their, their existing clientele on a personal basis. Um, it will be somewhat immersive. It will be more of a choose your own adventure, right? People are going to be able to really discern what they want to be fed digitally. 
so the CIO of a of a you know global company, billion dollar company, uh, you know emerging disruptive company needs to really understand that if they don't know how to connect with their customer and deliver a superior experience, that they're going to lose. I think every every major company is already building their new infrastructure on the blockchain, so I think that's probably somewhat of a given. Um, and I think other companies are going all in for the metaverse. I think that's probably short-sighted as well. People, you hear metaverse and they think uh, virtual reality, or like video games for adults. And that's not that's not what it's all about. I, I, but, you know, to, to take a step back and even zoom out a little bit more, I think that every CIO right now, especially of a major company, needs to really understand what an NFT is. Because I can tell you what an NFT isn't, right? Conceptually and big picture, it's not a cartoon of some silly animal that was worth a hundred bucks one day and a hundred thousand the next. That's not an NFT, although it is an NFT. But an NFT is simply a digital asset that is worth something typically that is going to be a one of one. Um, and, and I use some examples that I think a lot of people hadn't thought of yet, like your medical records your medical records will become an NFT, right? They will live on a blockchain that will be accessible via smart contract only by the right people at the right time. And you as an individual will have custody of your medical records. That's an NFT, right? Um, your title to your car or house, right? These should absolutely be safe and secure, right? There's so many things that can go wrong when it's just a piece of paper, your diploma, your educational records, uh, Right, and the list goes on and on. But I think once com companies conceptually understand that NFTs will be the foundation um, of the entire new emerging internet, that's kind of the beginning of understanding how to leverage this. And then I think on the other side, I think everybody, including these CIOs that you're referencing, should really understand that Web 3.0 isn't going to be its own thing. Right. If, if we tried to launch a new Internet on the blockchain with protocols and all these things right now, no one would use it. Right. So Web3 is absolutely and fundamentally going to be fed still by all the social media and the data that it's collected over the last decade or more. It's still going to be fed with all of the websites and all of the millions and billions of data points that they individually have amassed over these 20 plus years. Right. So I think if a CIO understands that they need to really get blockchain and NFTs just on a tech level, right? Just on a pure what they are and aren't level. And then understand that they absolutely can, should, and will need to be leveraging everything that they've been doing, you know, digitally and online since the day that they got online um, is probably a pretty solid foundation. Wow, I, I love the examples that you chose to use. I love that you mentioned medical records, um, a title deed, and stuff like that. Pretty much any official document that would typically be notarized. So if we rewind um, humanity by a few decades, anything that would uh, have been seen as an official title or something of ownership um, could in fact, uh, going forward, be um, more securely um, held or transmitted uh, because of the whole you know, method of NFTs. Now, surely, based on that one premise, um, businesses should be rethinking some of their workflows in terms of 
you know, the new opportunities to allocate authorizations electronically in a way that is so safe and secure. It isn't just like you said about, uh, you know, uh, uh, the marketing department thinking about how we can use NFTs to get attention. Um, it, it, it could be a very important part of a company workflow, to, even if it's a government department or whether it's a private company, it could actually um, force or, or, or it, could, it could require that we reinvent some workflows, but really for the better of, um, of how we operate as a business or as a government, right? Now, if we, if we start thinking about NFTs in that way, um, who does... Who would be the group of people out there that you would implore and that you would call on to start learning about NFTs and start understanding their, their application? Who, who would you say right now, guys, you've got to be listening to this? Well, I think I can't answer that competently by referencing a company or a person. What I, what I will say is, is probably a little bit more abstract, but I would stay away from anybody that is trying to build anything in a silo. Um, this, this next internet will be purely collaborative, purely open. And so, so many people are building wrong right now, really. I mean, I'd say more than 80% of people that think they're building into Web3 right now are building into a silo. They're really just building, you know, a, a kind of cooler version of something that that really could have existed, you know, for way before Web3, uh, put it that way. Um, but what I would encourage people to do, go on YouTube, right? Find the people that resonate with you that aren't pushing a product. This is not the time to be sold on anything. This is the time to be informed and educated. And there are so many amazing resources on YouTube. What I would say is that in and of itself, you know, and I call that Google University, but that could be in and of itself a really solid foundation for someone to then go and read a few books. There are some amazing books out right now. Um, that, that I think are great supplementally once you get a foundation. So I think, you know, finding on YouTube, here's what I would really encourage people to look at on the videos themselves. Make sure that they're no more than six months old. This industry is so nascent. It changes so often that you can watch an amazingly intelligent video from a year ago, walk away and think, you know, a whole lot and be wrong about all of it now. So you know, I think, you know, time, the, the timeliness of these videos is hugely relevant. I would also shy away from anything that doesn't have at least a couple, a couple thousand likes and positive comments on it, right? There's, there might be some people that are putting out something new that, that seems like they're very intelligent, but if it's not being received by the community, that's a red flag, right? There's, there's too much of a tight-knit community going on here. We all flock to the good stuff. So, I think if it's new and if it's got a lot of uh, a lot of data points and social proof behind it, and they're not actively trying to sell you something in a silo, then just go for the personality types that resonate with you. I don't like being yelled at, and you know I don't think he's even specifically doing this, but I don't like being yelled at, so I wouldn't watch Gary Vee, <laughs> right? He loves to yell at the camera and yell at the audience and tell them all how lazy and stupid they are, and I, I don't play that. So. I don't tune into those videos, right? I prefer, you know, maybe someone that's a, a college professor or that's started a billion dollar company in this space or with a little bit more laid back energy. So I say all that to say this on YouTube, find the people whose energy resonates with you, right? If you don't like to be yelled at either, it can be the best, most intelligent video ever, but about 10 seconds in, you're going to shut down. So 
find the people that resonate with you that are most recent and relevant that have some social proof from there you'll have the foundation to read a book or two and from there then i think you'll know enough to find the right people to either talk to hire as a consultant or as an employee or anything like that and shameless plug you can always just follow me on LinkedIn. All I do on anymore is talk about Web3 and all of these things. That's that's really where I uh, try try to let, let anything I've learned out into the wild. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure you're going to pick up a few follows on that. Um, not that you need them. Uh, <laughs> so on that, um, Corey, uh, so, so there's a few things there that you said that I think uh, are just uh, very, very, very insightful. And I think that one of the, um, one of the, you know, one of the um, issues that we run into is that there's this imposter syndrome um, on the subject of NFTs, Web3, and all of, you know, you know, metaverse. All of these concepts produce a very us and them um, feeling because a lot of people feel outside of that inner core, that inner community that you mentioned earlier. You know. So um, you've given great advice on how to start perhaps you know, becoming more knowledgeable, um, but how would you respond to the concept that, ah, oh, you know, this is a very tight-knit community, I don't have a place there, I don't know enough, there's just all these unknown words and terms. How do you respond to an average person who's going through those battles right now and they shy away from the, from, from the idea of learning more? So I think that's a powerful question and, and a powerful conversation, but it, in contrast to most other industries and most other niches, this is an absolutely open community. All of us started as novices at some point, probably in the very distant, or not distant future, right? This is so new. So rather than looking down on people because they don't know what some of these terminologies mean or haven't heard of some of the different chains or ecosystems, we embrace that, right? So there are some people who like to call people that don't know anything about it noobs, and it's kind of a little bit of like, uh, you know, you're a freshman and, and we're going we're gonna to roast you a little bit. But for the most part, it's an incredibly welcoming, incredibly understanding community. And people can tell right away where you're kind of at in your journey, right? It's everything from the way you present yourself and your verbiage. And so people understand, you know, when someone's a little bit newer, doesn't understand things, and people go out of their way just to support and help you. So um, I would say to anybody that's resisting because they think that it's kind of this click, it's not a click. There are people in this world that love and hate absolutely everything under the sun, and we still come together because we all believe in community and collaboration. We all believe in, you know, technology as being the future. We all believe in, in this new emerging internet that will happen, right? I think at this point, there's zero doubt in my mind that we're already well underway. So it's kind of, you know, there's always early adopters if people are a little apprehensive. You know, there's no reason that you can't sit on the sidelines for a bit unless you're a billion dollar brand, in which case don't don't lose your market share and don't get left behind, right? Um, but I'd say everybody's incredibly welcome. This, this industry is so supportive of, uh, you know, female founders and thought leaders and people of all different creeds and colors and and backgrounds, I've, I've never seen anything like it to be candid. So, um, you know, I'd say for some people, just rip off the bandaid, right? Just jump in the pool. Right? People are nice in here. No, you know, no, nobody is is going to be judged for their their lack of um, of competence in the field. 
the only thing I'd say is you know, all the all the rumors are true. There are a lot of people trying to scam in this industry. There are a lot of rug pulls. There are a lot of people that hide behind anonymity. So not everybody's your friend, right? So just because everybody's friendly doesn't mean you need to trust, you know, people don't give your wallet information away. Don't throw money in, you know, situations that you haven't done research on. Um, and legally, I'm supposed to say that I'm not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice. Um, but for the most part, just jump in. If you get bad vibes from somebody, you know, block block, and, and keep moving, right? What are you saying? Back and duck and sway. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's, this is nothing but inclusive. This is nothing but, uh, you know, positivity. Um, and, and there's no, it, it's so nascent, right? In a year, it might be harder to join the community as someone that doesn't know what they're talking about because it's like, bro, this has been around for years. But right now, it's still so new where people just, people love to be supportive. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's interesting. And, and you mentioned some of the, uh, some of the crooks, so to speak. Um, so, so on that, how, how, what advice would you have for someone who's, uh, who's manager, for example, um, you know, cautions them against getting too involved or, um, you know, says that, uh, you know, those are the crazies, you know, that's never going to materialize. I don't want you wasting your time on that. How, how do you, how do you coach that person to handle their manager better? So I don't know if this is going to come across the right or the wrong way, but I would say that's the moment that that person that experiences that needs to start looking for another job. My assessment is any manager that tells someone how to live their life outside of work, off the clock, how to manage their funds, um, that's the wrong environment. That's the wrong, that's the wrong professionalism. Um, Frankly, I think that's illegal in a lot of places. And on the one no, no, no. Just, just so that I can clear up the question. So in the in the ordinary course of that person's work, so I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of your um, response would still apply. So I'm curious to hear. But just to make sure that the question I, I say I say it properly, um, like what, what advice would you have for someone who feels that in their job, like let's just say they they part of a company where they could. Um, you know, or they should start thinking about how they could be using uh, NFTs to better uh, manage some of their workflows or make it more streamlined. Um, but they, but they, but they're not given that latitude because they have a manager who feels like they're just a bunch of crazies. Like, how do you, how do you get around that? So th- this is this is going to sound a little bit more cavalier then, and I'm very glad that you clarified the question. But my answer remains the same. Right now, I do want to say. I understand there's some people around the world, maybe even some people listening to this that don't have the luxury of just leaving a job. Um, although the global job market is hot right now, I can, here's here's what I'll say. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double down on this. I'm gonna make an even bolder statement. Every company and industry in Web3 is hiring right now. There are so many jobs in Web3 and for the most part, they all pay better than their Web2 counterparts. So. If someone is forward thinking enough to understand that in their job, in their company, in their industry, NFTs, blockchain, these things need to be rolled out. They have a manager going, no, that's for the crazies, don't do it. Um, if possible, it's probably time to learn a little bit more about Web3 and then, and then find you know the Web3 equivalent of that job where they're going to embrace the future, right? Because I'll give a quick example. If someone were, were a salesperson selling something in the late 80s, right, and they came to a company and said, 
there's this new thing called the internet and we need to put our products on the internet so that we can sell 10,000 times more at you know twice the profit margin and we can make millions of dollars. And that company said, you know what? No, we're just gonna keep selling things on the shelf at our brick and mortar location. That company's out of business in a few years, right? As soon as the internet gets bigger. So it's the same thing, right? And no, no one wanted to be at the, right, at the phone company that wanted to keep the rotary phones. Once people say, right, it's just this whole, that's antiquated, and I'm certain of that. So I think, you know, they'd have two options, in my opinion, an, an assessment. One would be explain to their manager why this isn't for the crazies and why companies like Nike and Starbucks are, you know, every of the biggest company in the world is embracing this right now. Microsoft, and I know that's your world, Microsoft has fully embraced blockchain, NFTs, right, all of these things. And so... If a company doesn't want to go the, the route of Google, Microsoft, Nike, <laughs> Amazon, Red Bull, right, then, then they're, they're not going to be around for long. And so that person's going to need to find a new job sooner than later anyway. Right. Right. So that's great. So you, you mentioned a whole bunch of mainstream organizations, super successful organizations, embracing Web3 and doing cool stuff with it. Out of all of those examples, maybe if you could choose one and just talk us through what that company is doing with Web3 and why it's cool? So the best answer that I can give, unfortunately, is the one that I have the less, least information about because this was just rolled out days ago. But Starbucks just released a huge NFT loyalty just, uh, and it's going to, it'll probably double the valuation of the company, right? Like as though wow. Starbucks did more market share, um, but this is going to absolutely take them to the next level. And a few of the things, they've got it right, but a few of the things that I love about it is they've gone into this partnership with Polygon. Polygon is brilliant. They're already carbon neutral. They're moving to be carbon negative. And so they're taking all the stigmas out of the industry, right? The gas prices are high. No, they're not. <laughs> uh, you know, the low times are long. No, they're not. Well, it's bad for the environment. No, it's not, <laughs> right? All of a sudden, and there are actually ways to buy carbon credits on, on the blockchain to offset any carbon footprints as well. And so these companies that are forward thinking like that, I think it's going to translate into every area of their business as well. But the customers are going to feel more like they're part of something cool. There's Customers are going to be getting bigger discounts and more stuff for free and, and, and have more fun with the brand. And, you know, on the, on the other side, it's going to allow the brand Starbucks to get to know their customers so much better, so much better. Right. And so, wow. uh, yeah, I mean, different, different category of, of understanding and being able to engage with and, you know, and, and, and build community with their, their customer base on an individual level. Um, so again, I think Nike's doing a lot right. There are a lot of companies. Frankly, I think Louis Vuitton at Hennessy is about to, to announce some pretty cool big things. Um, but for, for right now, uh, not only because of it being on Polygon, but because of how they've done it, um, this new Starbucks play, I think, is purely genius. Wow. And then um, I heard a little bit about what's happening at Nike. Uh, do you know much about what's going on there? Well... What I do know is that they've now surpassed everyone else, including, you know, uh, Yuga Labs Board Ape is the, the number one um, highest grossing NFT play in the world. So 
Um, people are really embracing it. What I also love about Nike is they just released a new material for their shoes that's carbon neutral and eco-friendly as well. And some of it is like recycled material. So what Nike's really doing with their NFT program is they're tying the digital to the physical. They're really leveraging, you know, sneakerheads and, you know, exclusivity and limited drops and things like that. But again, I think they're they're really using these NFTs also to, to build loyalty and, and to get to know their customers even better. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I know there's been some some good and bad press and thoughts around some of what they're doing. Um, but ultimately, I think the dollars speak for themselves. I think the last time that I saw Nike's NFT division was either becoming or already was their most profitable division. And wow. yeah, I mean, it's. The numbers are astronomical. I'd have to Google it. It's it's early in the morning here, and so maybe I'm foggy. But if I'm not mistaken, they're at like 10 billion um, in NFT sales or something. And this, and they just went out on this fairly recently, right? This isn't. They haven't been at this for years and years either. So there's, uh, you know, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. Wow! Wow! Very interesting. Very 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 interesting. Didn't didn't know much about that at all. Um. Do you know anything about um, Stephen Bartlett's company, Third Web? I don't. Stephen Bartlett, you don't? Oh, okay. That's I, know the name I was Ste- just I know honestly the, curious. I know the name Stephen Bartlett, but did you say the company's called The Web? Third Web. Third Web. Yeah. So it's a Web3 company. That's, that is, that's ringing a bell. I, I'm, I'm going to claim brain fog on this one too then, but absolutely, yeah. Third web. I'm not. I'm. I'm not connecting the dots yet, but it's. It is a familiar name. I don't know if I've just seen them tagged or read something about them. Yeah, yeah. I was just very curious about. Um, you know, he's providing a company that apparently is a platform for other um, Web three endeavors. You know, so his company will actually like. Um, and again, you know, I don't really understand all the nuts and bolts of it, but um, his company will provide a platform so that another company could accelerate its. Um, you know, progression into Web3 and beyond. So anyway, we can leave that one because I don't think I know enough about it. Quick question. Do you have a relationship with him or are you, do you have an interest in promoting Third Web? No, no, no interest in that. I was genuinely curious because I look up to him. I mean, he's done so well. He's he's still in his 20s. You know, he's the guy behind um, Social Chain. And I mean, what he's done with his first agency and the money that he's made, and now he's gone into Web3. So I just think it's a great success story all around, you know? So I was just genuinely interested. Well, and and I wish him all the success as well, because this is truly a collaborative industry. But I will mention a company. I'm, I'm with two companies right now as an executive and a shareholder. One of the two is called Agora World. Because we've just launched, we, we just came out of shadow mode. We are exactly what Canva did for graphic design, but for the metaverse. So we are no code, drag and drop, free to play around with. Right now, our pricing model is if you need more storage for more people, we're $10 a month, right? Um, if anybody listening to this needs that and can't afford the $10 a month, first of all, I want you to go figure out how to make some more money. But second of all, I'll pay your $10 a month, right? I mean, it's we're only doing that because <laughs> it's, it's the right model. Um, but so basically, for free, without having to code, you can build anything from a stadium to an office building to an online shopping mall in Web3 right now. Anyone listening to this, period. 
our website's agoravr.world. I encourage anybody to go check it out. But so it sounds like Third Web might be doing something similar. We're, we're chain agnostic, we're token agnostic, right? You don't need to buy any, any real estate with us. We're really trying to go about this the way Google did, you know, basically with the internet. We want anybody to be able to build anything they want on Web3 in the metaverse, deploy it as they want, monetize it as they want. Um, so I'll have to check out Third Web, but but and I encourage anyone listening, check out Third Web. Stephen Bartlett is amazing, um, but also check out Agora World. That 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 sounds amazing. And um, I would imagine that the nature of this business, you know, given that you are uh, making it such an affordable platform, you're willing to pay for for a few people who can't afford 10, 10 bucks a month. Um, surely it's it's a heavily funded activity, right? Right now we bootstrap. So so the the two the two original founders of the company each put some money in and then they raised a friends and family round to bring the total raise to you know just over a quarter million. But that's it. We haven't taken a penny of outside capital. Um, we are we're about to either raise a round right now to scale or we're 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 in proof of concept with a couple you know multinational many billion dollar companies and I think that those are all going well and if so you know maybe we never have to raise the money but um but yeah no it's been fun I'm a bootstrapper I I really shy away from projects that um that seek or raise funding too early you know I, I think that, that capital should be an accelerant not a proof of concept Wow, very responsible view on funding. I like that. So it sounds super exciting. So obviously, for people to be bootstrapping this, they are obviously deeply invested and they see the value in what they're producing. So this is not just some wishful project where it's a hope and how. The, the, the two founders are both 24 years old and they've both put, wow. both put, you know, multiple five figures into this out of their own pocket. The one guy had been saving money since he was 13 years old, put his entire savings into this. It's uh, we're really bullish on, on on this. It's basically Minecraft for adults and businesses. If you want to really simplify it. Wow. And you part of the um, you part of the team, huh? Yeah, I'm the chief growth officer. So I, I came in basically as, as their third guy, and we're going to take this to the moon and, and maybe even literally. We've actually <laughs> built a moon. You can go to the moon in Agora World right now and have a rover and drive around. Um, but I, I think, you know, I mean, every every entrepreneur wants wants to think and say this, but I truly believe in my mind that, that we'll be able to onboard a million companies and turn this into a trillion dollar. I, I think this becomes as big as Apple or Google, to be honest. Wow, this is amazing. And and you talked about it in this podcast. And we're going to be here supporting you all the way, watching this magic happen. I, I used to go on two, three podcasts a day. If people Google me, we'll find hundreds of them. But let me tell you something. I haven't been on a single podcast in months, and I haven't spoken about Agora World publicly. So this is super breaking news here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're definitely going to go look it up ourselves. And just so everyone knows, you and I didn't align on that before this, before right now, you know? So um, I wasn't even going to mention it, but when you said that this third web and what they're doing, and it sounds amazing, again, I wish them all the successes in the world. Maybe we can collaborate or partner with them, but um, but that's when I couldn't I couldn't hold back any longer. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we had the first to hear about this. Um, we'll definitely make some noise about that. I think that's great. And of course, if there's more stuff that you want to share, even in, into the future, new cool stuff coming along the line, please, please always reach out to me and we can always get you back to give us an update. Um, 
because I am for some reason um, very interested um, in the business side of this model. You know, like um, super interested in companies that that are that are betting their main business model on Web three. You know. Um, because obviously, like like you said, the big companies are going to eventually do more workflows that are, um, you know, Web three uh, reliant. But um, to get an entire company that that is built for Web three, you know, that that's pretty exciting to me. Okay, good. So, um, you know, I think we, I think we've learned a lot, and I think you've mentioned a whole lot of really cool stuff, really really important stuff, and some complex stuff, which you made sound very easy. Um, what would be your parting shot to to our listeners, taking into account that you know a lot of a lot of our listeners probably aren't as Web three savvy as a whole bunch of other people? What would be your parting shot to us? So I have two, and neither of them have anything to do with Web three or even technology. And if anyone has heard me on podcasts before, this might sound a little familiar. I don't say it all the time, but I always look for this opening because I have two things that I would share with anybody that I think are, are absolutely transformative. And the, and they apply to any industry, any person. And if anyone hearing this already knows this, great. And, and some, some people listening right now really need to hear both of these. The first one is, don't care what anyone else thinks about you. Period, end of story, it doesn't matter. If you have a relationship with the divine creator, care what your God thinks about you. And I don't care what you call your God, but um, care what your neighbors and strangers think about you only through the lens of they should think that you're a nice, honest person. Other than that, don't dress for anyone else. Don't talk for anyone else. You are not beholden to anyone else's thoughts about you. And that is beyond liberating. That is so empowering. And that's one of the secrets to every billionaire that I know. None of them gives one half of an iota about what anybody cares about them at all. And the second one that I have, and I think it's just as profound, although it sounds way less, <laughs> it's just, it sounds so simple, but it's so profound. And that is to love more. And, you know, when I say that, people go, what do you mean? That's all I mean. Love yourself more, love your job more, love your customers more, love your house more, love your neighbor more, love... It doesn't matter, right? That's the thing. Just love more. And there's no one that's hearing me say that right now that can't love more. Not a single person. Um, and it does start with loving yourself. It also starts with loving strangers without judgment. Um, you know, and it ties into gratitude and all of these things. But just love more. It cannot do you wrong. Yeah, wow. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't the closing I was expecting from you know Mr. Uber Web three, but um, but I think it's awesome, super true, super applicable, very relevant. I I had my moment just listening to that, thinking, wow, you know, there's so much there's so much of that message that I can apply for myself, you know. So I think that's incredible. So Corey, thank you so much. You are a star as always. It is legitimately a pleasure chatting with you, and I'm not just saying that because you were kind enough to show up on our podcast. Like you genuinely always a pleasure to chat to. I uh, love that you're killing it. Um, man, don't know what else to say. You know, I'd love to speak to you again sometime. Well, the feeling is very mutual. Having you in my life has been amazing now for, I guess, probably closer to two years. Um, I'm inspired and amazed by everything that you're doing. And so, yeah, let's, let's catch up again anytime. And we can either do it uh, recorded to share with the world, or we can have one where, where there's no flies on the wall. But uh, 
it was an absolute honor and delight to be on your show, and I appreciate everyone for taking the time to listen to this today as well. 